Looking for a graduation gift to inform, inspire, and encourage? When you give a subscription to Christianity Today, you're giving redemptive, relevant news and thoughtful balanced dialogue about the church, current issues, and public theology. Visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to get a discounted student subscription for the graduates in your life. Starting at only $2 per month, this gift will engage and grow their faith throughout the year. Click the link in the show notes or visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to order now. This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmond.edu. Welcome to Questions and Ethics with Russell Moore where we apply the gospel of the kingdom to cultural issues and your questions about the Christian life. And now, here's your host. Hello, this is Russell Moore broadcasting from the studios here at the Southern Baptist Convention building. And this is the program where we take your questions about uh, moral or ethical issues that you're dealing with in your life and try to address them. I have a question from a pastor who was asking, how should I deal with sanctity of human life a Sunday in my church? Now, I don't know whether or not your denomination or church tradition observes a special day uh, as related to sanctity of human life, but many uh, denominations do. And I think even if your church calendar or denominational calendar doesn't recognize it, January is a time when many people uh, in this country are thinking about the issue of abortion, about the issue of sanctity of human life, precisely because this is the anniversary of the Roe versus Wade decision. And so it's a good time to highlight and to seek to shape the consciences of your people about what Sanctity of Human Life Day means. A couple of things that I would say are necessary. And, and the first thing, I've written about this before, I hate that we have to have Sanctity of Human Life Day. It's not because I hate speaking about Sanctity of Human Life, and it's not because I think we ought not to address the issue. I just hate the fact that we even have to say it, you know, to, to have to say that we shouldn't kill our children is such a sad thing that we even have to say that. We don't have to have gravity is real Sunday because we all recognize that and we know it. And so I pray for the day when we no longer have to have a Sanctity of Human Life Day because it's taken for granted. But we're not there yet, and we're a long way from there, which means that we need to highlight the fact that every human life is created in the image of God and every human life matters. So a couple things that I would advise when it comes to Sanctity of Human Life Day. One of those things is making sure that you are presenting God's perspective of human life, which is to say God honors and values human life not on the basis of its usefulness. Now, I think one of the problems that we tend to do is that we assume sometimes that the issues for most people have to do with whether or not a fetus, to use the, the, the depersonalizing language that's often used, or an embryo, is a person. 
And so we spend a lot of time arguing that this unborn child is, in fact, a person. That's necessary, and we need to, we need to do that. That's a biological fact, a scientific fact, a theological fact. John the Baptist leaps in the womb of his mother when he encounters his Lord, both of them in utero, both of them embryos or, or fetuses, to use that language. And yet it, this was John the Baptist. This wasn't an it, it was a he, and this was the Lord. This was the Lord Jesus Christ. But the issue for most people, I think most women going into the abortion clinic, most men pressuring women into an abortion clinic, most of those people, I think, aren't there because they're ignorant of the personhood of this child. It's because they believe somehow that in their situations and in their circumstances, there is something better than life for this child. And I think what we need to do on Sanctity of Human Life Day and then throughout the rest of the year is to highlight the fact that God sees, God knows, and that God values and loves this life apart from whether or not this person is seen to be useful. There's something intrinsically valuable about every human life. I think that needs to be made clear, regardless of whether the, the this human life has Down syndrome or has spina bifida or whether this person is, is born in difficult economic circumstances. God values human life because human life is made in the image of God. I think we also need to speak very clearly about the fact that there is judgment, that there is an accountability that is is going to be given. Uh, one, one of the most hair-raising things that I've ever read in recent years was a woman who was working in an abortion clinic talking about the, the Catholic and Southern Baptist women, young women that she had coming into that clinic to have abortions. And the Roman Catholic women were saying, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to go to confession. The Southern Baptist women were saying, I know this is wrong, but once saved, always saved. You know, what I hear in, in those voices is, let's sin all the more that grace may abound. That is a chilling thing to hear. That is a false gospel. It's another gospel from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be very clear about the justice of God, that he hears, as the scripture says, the cries of the fatherless. But we can't stop there. We must address abortion as an issue of justice, not only in terms of the the person standing before the judgment seat of Christ, but also in terms of public justice, that there is a responsibility for the government to, to stand up for the lives of those who are being uh, persecuted, those whose, whose lives are being, uh, are being done away with. It's a necessity for the culture to stand up for those lives that are being depersonalized and dehumanized. But we also need to, in the midst of all of that, speak clearly about the gospel and about the fact that the blood of Christ reconciles people, guilty people, to God, that there is no sin that is outside the reach of the merciful blood of Jesus Christ. Now, every time that you address the issue of abortion, and for those of you who are pastors or ministers in other ways, you should be addressing abortion often. 
every single time that you address this, you need to address it not simply as some external cultural issue, but as something that affects your congregation and the people in your pews. Based upon the demographic numbers that we have, there are women in your congregation right now who have aborted. Their consciences are speaking to them about this. And the power that Satan has over the women who have aborted, over the men who have paid for abortions or pressured women into abortions, the power that Satan has is really twofold. On the one hand, it's that power of deception. This this isn't really wrong or no one will ever know. But then the other aspect of his power is that of accusation. I know who you are, and I know what you have done. You've got to address both aspects of that, speaking clearly that God is on the side of the vulnerable, that God loves unborn children, God will hold accountable those who take their lives. But on the other hand, to talk about the fact that in the cross of Jesus Christ, the justice and mercy of God have met. So that the message you are giving is to say, that woman who has had the abortion, that man who has paid the abortion, if that person throws himself or herself upon Jesus Christ in faith and in repentance, that person is so hidden in the righteousness of Jesus Christ that when God sees him, he does not see that man who paid for the abortion. When God sees her, he does not see that woman who had the abortion. He sees instead, hidden in Christ, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. You take away the sting of that accusation, not by saying that the abortion was okay. It wasn't. And those consciences know it wasn't. But by saying, if you're in Christ, you have already been through the judgment of God, and there is therefore now no condemnation for you. You need to speak to those consciences redemptively and with a gospel focus, and also to speak to those who are overhearing what's happening in your congregation about what does it mean for them when they are facing a pregnancy that seems like a crisis. They're going to be Uh, women and men in your congregation, who if they're not facing that right now, they're going to be facing that later on. Give them concrete steps of what to do. It may be that you stand up and say, there are some of you who are going to find yourselves pregnant and you're not going to know what to do. You want to make it very clear, we as a congregation are not going to be shocked We're not going to, oh, my goodness, can you believe this unwed person? I'll bet she must have had sex. No, you're not going to be shocked. You're not going to be horrified. You're going to minister to her, and you're going to find a way for her to keep her baby and to to live with and to love that baby. That means you're going to be the body of Christ to her, or if she does not want to, raise the baby, you're going to go alongside her to help her to make an adoption plan for her baby. Give the choices that she has in front of her and available to her through that congregation in a way that she or he can imaginatively put themselves in that situation 
to know this is what it would look like in this church. And so I think we speak at multiple levels when we speak to the issue of abortion. We're, we're shaping consciences to know when you're voting and you're handing the sword, uh, as the Scripture says we're doing in voting, to Caesar to use it. If you're handing the sword to people who are going to use it against innocent children, you are wrong. You're going to be held accountable for that. We're speaking to those who in their, their minds and in their hearts see children as a problem, uh, as a burden to be eliminated. No, 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 no. That's not God's perspective on this. And we're also speaking to those whose hearts are deeply, deeply burdened with guilty consciences to say there is a gospel that covers over the conscience and over every sin, including this sin that you think is somehow unforgivable. It's not, because the blood of Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I think those are the things that are essential for Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and frankly, for any Sunday. What's your question? If you'd like to submit a question, email us at questions at erlc.com. That's questions at erlc.com. Or on Twitter and Facebook, use the hashtag AskRDM. Thanks for listening to the Questions and Ethics podcast with Russell Moore. To check out future broadcasts, subscribe via iTunes or visit us on ERLC.com. This episode was brought to you in part by the Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.